Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of your favorite show of Bruce and Banter FC. I'm your host, Targo, joined by the lovely Redbeard. Today's menu includes an ice-cold glass of Match Day 16 drama, served with a side of the best and worst $100 million signings in football history. Sip your brew, settle in, and let's dive into a roller coaster of emotions that was Match Day 16, followed by a stroll down memory lane in the world of eye-watering transfers. This is an all-new episode of Bruise and Banter FC, and it starts right now. Right now. What up, man? How's it going? It's going good, man. Starting to try to get into the festive spirit. Got the decorative set behind me. A little Grogu action. Way to call him by his real name. I was definitely going to say Baby Yoda. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's hit or miss. Depends on the day for me. <laughs> but what are you drinking today to wash down this uh, interesting match day 16? I am washing it down with BJ's <laughs> Piranha <laughs> Pale Ale. There's the can. Pretty cool looking little piranha yeah. on there, if I do say so myself. But never had this one, so let's give it a try. That is a pale ale. Nice. Run of the mill. Nothing special. Light, crisp, pale ale. Give it easy a drinker. It is an easy drinker. I would get it again, but it wouldn't be my first choice. Seven point three out of ten. I thought you were gonna say seven point two, so I wasn't far off. Okay. <laughs> nope. I hope so I got a special I like, one. I'll bump it up a notch. <laughs> just just a little bit. I got a special one come today. It's Lee Pike Court Brewing Co op from Moscow, Washington, uh Idaho. Uh, this is uh, my girlfriend Becca's friend, uh, Kelly and Steven. They brew beer out of their garage. What's yes. it called again? Lee Pike's something? Lee Pike Court Brewing Co-op. Lee Pike Court. Okay. Yeah. So the story behind this beer, it's called a Josh Ipa. Yes, a Josh IPA. I would like to claim that it's named after me, but it's not. Um, oh. Yeah, their neighbor Josh wanted an IPA, so they made a hazy IPA and uh, named it after him. I've never had it. it. Smells like a hazy. Well, let us know how it is, man. It's named after you, so you better like it. Yeah, dude, that's an easy drinker. I can get in trouble with that. Um, It's very light, hazy IPA. Could be because she got it on Sunday. and recording of this it's a couple days later so but it's not flat so it's fruit still forward? really good pretty fruit forward or yeah fruit i mean it's kind of like a punch in the mouth it's kind of everything all at once a punch in the mouth okay yeah it's really good like a good kind a fruity punch yeah. in the mouth yeah it almost makes you want to slap your mama um oh not your mama not terry no no uh, not yours either. Not Carrie. Um, 
Anyway, I'll give this a solid eight and a half out of ten. I just Bummer, realized that her honest. mom's names rhyme. <laughs> well, interesting. Yeah, beginning took you long enough there, episode. bud. Took you it's long it. enough. <laughs> Moving on. Fifteen years? I don't know. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's talk about some football. How about that? Yeah, let's do that. Crystal Palace and Liverpool. We'll start with the first game of the weekend, man. Right. <laughs> Crystal Palace lost this one two one. They scored first, played well, I would say, and just ultimately couldn't hold on against Liverpool after going to man down. It's pretty yeah, much the mean- story of this game. You you said it right. Crystal Palace lost this match. I don't think Liverpool won this match. No, Liverpool did not play good. No. Not at all. Crystal Palace, they got their first goal after a PK, which this was an interesting one. So the incident happened, and then like a minute 44 or something had passed before VAR said stop and come take a look, and the ref went to the monitor, took a look, and awarded the PK. Yeah, it was strange. It, I mean, it was a minute and 45 seconds of actual play on the field. Like, you just let yes. play continue. And then they called him to the monitor, which, I mean, we've been calling for it. If it's a penalty, like, don't just ignore it. Go back and look at it. Is this just the new modern game where this can happen? <laughs> a play can play on for almost two minutes, and then it gets called back for something? I mean, what would you rather have? Would you rather have them do this or stop and wait for two and a half minutes before they make a decision? I think I just would have preferred not a decision, if I'm being honest with you. I mean, I thought the foul in itself was light. I was fine with it not being given. Yeah, it was I mean... a kick on, uh, who is it, Mateta? So, I, I mean, was it a foul for you? I was borderline. I've seen it called and not. I didn't think it was worthy of calling it back a minute and 45 seconds later. I will say that. But again, it's consistency. It's what we've been preaching all season. We just want it to be consistent. We don't want it to well, be. I mean, well, I, I think we were consistent. You're right. So. And so we'll get to another incident that's similar. But I say what I will say is VR got the instance in the first half correct. For Crystal Palace, were awarded a, a penalty. Van Dyke was given a yellow. And VR told, the, again, the ref to go look at it at the monitor. There was a foul in the buildup. And I think that was the correct call because that was a foul in the buildup to this penalty. Yeah. And so I, I think also, on instant- I also don't think it was a penalty because I don't think Van Dyke touched him at all. So maybe a little tiny nudge in the back, but he did not I think make that one was more of a feet. penalty than the, one, the other one that was given, but... Hmm. But I think that was the correct way, I, at least in my eyes. VAR, okay, a penalty's given. Is it a penalty versus, oh, there may have been an instance. Let's keep playing for another couple minutes and then come back to it. Yeah, like my question I mean, is, what if something happens in that couple minutes the call that, on the you know, field, could change the outlook of the game, like a red card or another goal yeah, or something could, like that? It could. Like, what happens the, the, then? That's The problem for me is, you know, the first instance, it was called a penalty on the field. The second one, the ref didn't see anything, so he didn't call no. it. Yes. So it, You're right. it's, I mean, it's rocking a hard place. Like, what, do you, what do you really expect them to do? Um, it first is. One's, I mean, it's, it, first one's it's not a penalty just... for me. Second one's borderline. I, I Again, I've seen it called. I've seen it not. 
in in slow motion, it looks like a foul. It, it does play, look worse in slow it motion, for sure. It did not look like a foul. So, yeah, I, I don't know. What do you guys think? <laughs> well, Liverpool, they would get back into this game, as we mentioned, and it took a second yellow card for Jordan Ayew, who would be sent off in the 75th minute. A foolish kind of foul. He didn't really need to make it. Yeah. And, I mean, I, Mo Salah I, I, scores one minute after that sending off. Yeah, and I mean, we'll talk about Mo Salah first, I guess. And as his 200th goal in the Premier League, like, I mean, it just demonstrates what a great player he has been over as the a last... Winger. Yeah, as a winger. It's nuts. Um, I think that puts him in the top 10 scorers of all time. In the Premier yep, League, yes, it does. deservedly so. He's been fantastic. Um, I mean, I don't know. He might be the best right winger in the history of the Premier League. I don't know. I haven't looked to see yet where certain people actually play most of their careers, but I can't think of many better. Can you? <laughs> Wingers? No. I mean, you think of like the Ryan Giggs, the Beckhams. You know, if you want to throw Ronaldo out there. I think Ronaldo played primarily off the left, though. Same with Hazard. Like those kind so you're, of. You're talking players. strictly right wing, then. Yes, strictly right. Yeah. Okay. That's where he predominantly plays. So. Yeah, maybe Unberg, but no, I wouldn't consider him one of the greats. Bex again was on that right. Mm-hmm. I I mean, again, off the top of my head, can't think of anybody better. Anyways, great job for him. Two hundred goals in the Premier League. It's hard to do. Only ten players have done it. But as far as the red card goes, I didn't like Van Dyke's involvement in the first one, the first yellow. Mm. If I have, if my memory serves me right, because this is a couple of days later, he kicked the ball into IU for the first yellow. If I'm not mistaken, I know his first one wasn't. I think it was for a tackle, if I'm was not it? mistaken, or maybe the, I can't remember, man. I don't. Remember. But I know. Anyways. I just know when you're on a yellow, you can't just make tackles I, like that. I also I didn't think that was a yellow card offense. His second soft, round. soft yellow, yeah. yeah, very soft, especially to change the tide of a game like that. So, you know, maybe can the ref go over into him and say, "Hey, Jordan, you know that's yeah, you're already on you a yellow. You can make one time. more of those. One more, yeah. I mean, that's what Kinda I would do if I was the, a ref. But keep the game going, yeah, yeah. I mean, refs have been real yellow card happy this season. Card happy, period. Love to blow the whistle. I don't, I don't. The state of refereeing in England is in shambles, and you know. I don't want to be a referee. I don't envy them. I would never want to be in that position. It's a very difficult job. So that's all I got to say. I don't disagree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Harvey Elliott would get the winner, man. Cracking goal, too. Terrible defending, but a cracking goal. Yeah, no one was coming out to him. He strolled right up to the top of the 18-yard box and rifled that thing. Right in near post, too. Gave him all the time in the world to have that shot. Hit as hard as he could. Right past Johnstone. Felt bad for Palace in this one, if I'm being honest, man. They played well defensively until that sending off. I will say Allison had to come up with a couple of really big saves in this one. One in the first half, one in the second half. Yeah, that one he pushed onto the post in the first half. Whew. I thought the thing was going to like keep the backspin going and just go right into the back of the net, but... Kept it out somehow, yeah. (laughs) And then he had a, I think it was from Joel Ward. He had a point blank header save. Whew. Reaction time on that one. 
I would have gotten nowhere near that. But credit Liverpool, man, with this win, they go top of the league, sitting yes, in first place. Palace, on the other Mars. hand, they're in 15th and sliding. No wins in their last five. Yeah, they haven't won at home in their last nine. Or they have one win in their last nine. And guess who they play next? Crystal Palace. Yeah. City? City, yeah. yeah. <laughs> At the Etsy had. Yeah. And then they host Brighton. Then they're away at Chelsea. And then they host Brentford for their round out the year. It's a tough Is Roy schedule. Is Hodgson in the hot seat, man? No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, it's Roy Hodgson. It's a legend. I think he'll step away before they fire him. I just I don't know. Results keep going this way. It's hard not to look at it. I understand maybe a, that. Maybe a Graham Potter? Yeah. I mean, it, it fits him perfectly, right? But as far as Roy Hodgson goes, I mean, his two best players have been hurt most of the season. They've had to give Elise, you know, minimum game time. I I just feel bad for him because what he's got on the field compared to everybody else and the signings that they've made, Yes, they should be doing better, but at the same time, it's like you kind of expect them to be right about where they're at. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, we mentioned Liverpool weren't playing the best in this game. Wataro well, Endo, man, had a howler of a game. <laughs> that as that holding midfielder. I mean, they were missing McAllister, who was out for this one. Endo gave away the ball so many times uh, in dangerous positions, too. Yeah. Yeah, struggling to, you know, meet the pace of the match as well. So I know he hasn't played much this season, but he's got to catch on quick, especially with all these games coming up. And then I thought it was also interesting, young 20-year-old Gerald Kwanzaa starting at center back instead of Konate. Yeah, I mean, it's his second start this season. Konate and Joe Gomez have both been having a torrid time playing back there. Why not give the kid a, a chance? He gave away that PK, so we'll see he, did. He... he did. They gave him a chance. Yeah, That's and the obligatory, as always, when talking about Liverpool, Darwin Nunez missing chances. Yeah, and I'll uh, also go with an obligatory. Allison saves Liverpool once again. So, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, yeah, literally and figuratively. Allison keeping the balls out, and Darwin Nunez also keeping the balls out. <laughs> So another game on Saturday was Wolves hosting Nottingham Forest. This one ended in a 1-1 draw for Wolves and Forest at the Molyneux. Forest actually took the lead through left back Harry Tofalo, getting his head onto the ball at the back post, towering over Nelson Semedo. Yeah, I I think Semedo actually fell asleep standing up on that one (laughs) because it didn't even look like he was reacting until Tofalo was literally like half his body above Semedo. And Matias Cunha would level it for Wolves in the 32nd after a nice cutback from Pablo Sarabia. This one was great movement off the ball for this goal, wow. man. Yeah, Cunha's movement off the ball is fantastic. I love him. I love Probably. watching him play, man. He is a fantastic dribbler. He's just, he's a fun player to watch. Yeah, and when City signed a player from Wolves earlier in the season, I thought for sure they had signed Matthias Cunha. I didn't did not think they were signed Matthias Nunes, but 
yeah, I mean, good good for Wolves keeping hold of him because he is he is fantastic. If only he could get on the end of some of these balls more often. I mean, I know he's got Huang Hee Chan there too, but his movement is so is so sweet. And it's just like it's so casual too. And he he's like deceptively quick, almost. Reminds me a little right bit of you. the way Lionel Messi kind of ghosts around defenders without it looking like he's trying. I'm not <laughs> saying it's the same by any means, but it's reminds it similar. Is what yeah. you're saying, yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, in this game, it was it was a one-one draw. Wolves had the possession. I would say Forrest had the more clear-cut opportunities. It honestly took Wolves conceding that Forrest goal to really wake up in this game. And Forrest kind of survives another day. <laughs> For Steve yeah, Cooper, I mean, at least. Yeah, they, I mean, they, it's a well, they needed the point. I will say that. They needed a result of some kind because they, they were, were on, on a slide. skid there. Yeah. Wolves, I mean, I I expected better in this match, to be honest with you. And we both picked Wolves to win. I mean, we know the quality is there at Forest, so they haven't been putting it together. Wolves, we know the quality is there, and they've been putting it together. So, I, you know, obviously something was disjointed in this match. And, yeah, I mean, they came out sluggish and slow and didn't put all the pieces together. And that's what happens. You get punished for it. Let's talk about another draw. This was Brighton hosting Burnley. This one would end 1-1. Brighton, as usual, would dominate possession, but could only muster a draw against Vincent Company's Burnley. Burnley actually scored first in this one, kind of against the run of play just before halftime through Wilson Odover. He's in for the injured Goliosho. Kind of shot, takes the deflection, goes in. Yeah, I mean... Surprised? I, I was surprised that Burnley would score first, yes. Surprised that Brighton couldn't score? I, I Not surprised there. They haven't been able to score of late very well. Uh, well, actually, I would disagree with that. Chance. I would disagree with that. Brighton have scored in every game this season. The only problem is they've also conceded in every game this season. It's like I set you up for that one, isn't it? You did. I had that did. right on deck, didn't you? <laughs> That's wild, though. I did not know that. It is like that. that, That's nuts that they've scored in every game, but they've also conceded. I mean, you can't concede every game and expect to do well overall throughout a season. The crazy thing for me, too, is that they're level on points with Newcastle. And Newcastle have had the string of great results. Yes, they've lost two in a row and we'll get to them later. But the fact that Brighton draws, man. Yeah, the draws for Brighton. Defensively, they've been poor. Offensively, they've had to be saved by Pascal Gross. He's been playing fantastic for him, Pascal Gross. Yeah. Let's move on to a team that actually won. This was Sheffield United. They beat Brentford 1-0. Chris Wilder gets the new manager bounce at Bromwell Lane, man. Crazy fact. With this win, Chris Wilder has as many whims, wins as Paul Heckingbottom did. Yeah, in the Premier League this in season. In the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was just a this was a game or match of just two poor sides. And it took a screamer for one team to win it. Oh, what a screamer it was, man. James McAtee 
What a goal. Golasso, man, from the corner of the 18-yard box. Curls it in. Top it was corner. So, so beautiful. I think I watched Such it probably a... seven or eight times, man. It is. Whew. I think this would have been, this was my favorite goal from the weekend, if I'm being honest with you. Easy. Easy. Or the nicest goal, I should say, in my opinion. And honestly, Brentford were lucky not to have a player sent off in the first half for a nasty-looking tackle in the 28th minute. Was it a red for you? Yeah, probably. It was ankle level, so, I mean, it was above yeah. the boot. Mm-hmm. Studs on it. Yeah. Yellow was given. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, is because a yellow was given, they won't review it for a red. Well, no, they'll review it for a red, I think, for a possible... For a possible red. Well, but if that's the two... case, then I am so confused about VAR. That must be how the refs feel because they won't they review a second yellow. I'm pretty sure. Ah, that was it. Yes. Either way, so if... I, I do believe this what should have been a red. Yes. It was nasty. Yeah, I mean Brentford didn't look very good in this game, man. They gave the ball away a lot and just looked poor. Yeah, I mean you could see how much they missed Brian and Bomo. Out for this one as well. Ivan Tony, they, they miss. Yeah, I mean that goes without saying, but he hasn't played for them all season. So, and they're still in eleventh place. So, and with that win, Sheffield are still bottom of the table. <laughs> <laughs> but Almost they're level me. on points with. Almost Burnley. had me there. <laughs> but they're level on points with Burnley, <laughs> who are just above them. <laughs> Well, let's get to a game, man. I can't believe you got this one right. You predicted this, that Bournemouth would beat Manchester United at Old Trafford. Bournemouth's been on fire, man. And United are shit at home. So That's United's first loss for the first time to Bournemouth at Old Trafford. Yep. And it wasn't even close. They lost 3-0. No. no, and it should have been much more, let's be honest. I think the only good player on the pitch for United in this match, and yeah, you're going to be just as shocked about me saying this. Onana or Anthony? It was Anthony. I think he was their best player for this match, and nobody else really played well. Interesting lineup, too, because he started Martial. Didn't get that one. Yeah, I I don't understand. I mean, Martial, I mean, he's had some good games lately, but, like, why not start Hoyland? He's healthy. You're not saving him for midweek. You need points in the league. He's 21 or 20. He can play both matches. Who cares? Yeah, and before this game, it was announced that Eric Ten Hag was manager of the month. Harry Maguire was player of the month. Carnacho won goal of the month. I called everything but the goal of the month because, well, who's going to predict the bicycle kick from, was that, 13 yards out? But... Yeah, watch as Ten Hog wins player coach of the month and McGuire wins player of the month. Look at that. And I saw whoa, hilarious that fight them in the ass. I saw a hilarious <laughs> meme though. It was like, has anyone ever won manager of the month and been fired in the same weekend? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure there has been. Uh but this is getting dangerously close to probably the most obvious one. Maybe. I don't but think it it'll happen, happen quite yet. It didn't happen. I think so. We got to wait for, I think, the Jim Ratcliffe takeover to happen, and we'll see if he wants to keep Ten Hog or not. Yeah, we'll see. But, I mean, Borman came out flying, man. Scored after just five minutes through Dominic Solanke. Terrible ball out from Bruno as McTominay was pressured. I mean, 
This first goal pretty much sums up the entire day for United. It really does. No communication, terrible passing, no more, no communication once again, and then Bournemouth closing them fast and getting the ball. That's pretty nice much sums up the whole match. Yeah. And they got their second in the 68th. Tavernier crossing tower, or Philip Billing scores for Bournemouth. Yeah. Tavenier getting on the end of a Tavernier cross, and he just jumps over Luke Shaw, man. <sighs> he made, he Luke made Shaw him look, look like he's about four feet tall. He did. Yeah. Is Philip yeah. Billing just a giant? Or <laughs> I mean, he's not small, but Luke Shaw's not either. I mean, he's more he made he's him look small, man. wider he made him than look... he is tall, but holy crap. Yeah. I mean, he was what? About his, where his knee is when he headed this one in? Something. Something like that. Yeah, and then five minutes later, Center back Marco Senesai gets his head on the end of a corner, making it 3 0. Who was marking him? No one. Absolutely nobody. Nobody. Yeah, I, terrible. This, yeah, terrible. This whole United team. It's terrible. Bournemouth actually had a fourth, but then it got taken back due to a handball in the buildup. Bit unfortunate. Yeah, unfortunate. It was a nice goal, too. Um, just unfortunately hits him in the hand. But, I mean, Ten Hag said his players are too inconsistent. Aren't they his players? He's bought quite a few of them. Yeah. And so I got to go a little bit of a rant, man. When he said go this, I, I did not like it. I thought this was just <laughs> a poor, honestly, bitch-ass excuse for your terrible management blaming these players, man. I mean, I don't... Isn't this his job to get his best out of players? Isn't, what, isn't that what the best managers do, Pep? Yep. Unai that's Emery why, that's why they the hired players him. out of his Villa players. I mean, that's what the manager is supposed to do is to get the best out of his squad so that they perform well. And when they're yep. not performing well, that is his job again, to motivate, to tinker with the lineup, to chat with players, to get the right players in. I mean, he's brought in a lot of these players. It's not like this is a squad that was left over. He brought in Amrabat, Casemiro, Lissandro Martinez, Onana, Hoyland, I mean, Anthony. Anthony. So many players he's brought in. (laughs) And it's just frustrating for him to say that. Yeah. Like, that's on him. That's not on his players. If he, then why is he going after inconsistent players, I guess is the thing. They weren't inconsistent last season, finishing third, making it to two finals, winning one of them. You don't get those things being inconsistent. This yeah, is down to the manager because it's the same group of players. Pretty much, except for Onana. But, I mean, you could say David De Gea had about as many mistakes as he did last year. So, yeah, I, this is 100%. I mean, it's not 100%. I would say it's probably about 60-40, 10 hog. 40% of the players. Because like, this is not – Eric Ten Hag should not be blaming this on his players. Like, you're the manager. Take the blame. Take the responsibility for your players not playing well and fix it. If you can't fix it, know you're going to get fired. That's it. It's your job. You have one job. Put the best players on the field with the best tactics and learn how to motivate them to play their best every single week. So I have a question for you. If Pep Guardiola were all of a sudden tomorrow, say, you know what? I'm done with City. I'm going to go over to United over here. Mm -hmm. Do you think he would make a difference in this Manchester United team? Short term, probably not. 
Long term, yeah, probably because he'd have time to implement, you know, his style he could of find play. his five plus players. <laughs> yeah, he could find the players he wants. I mean, I'm Spent pretty the sure money that Ten Hog has spent. I mean, yeah, we saw what he could do with that kind of money at City. Look at him now. He gets you Gavardio, Doku. Yeah, I just Holland. Yeah, Pep would he would do something. I don't think they would win the league. I mean, Mourinho said it best: the best I've ever done for any team was finish second with Man United. You look at how that's aged, and yeah, 100%. I mean, Ten Hag <laughs> did a great job last year. Well, if you did it last year, you could do it this year. What the hell is going on? It's your fault because you have pretty much the same players. Minus a new midfielder, a new goalkeeper, a new forward. Yeah, but they, they were doing last season. Last they were doing better last season without Vaghorse. Let's just put that out there. I think that that says all you need to know. And he's also killing it in the Bundesliga for Hoffenheim, I believe. So, mm-hmm. But, I mean, Manchester United's next game, we obviously saw him play Bayern Munich here. Don't want to spoil that result. But their next game is at Liverpool at, at Anfield, man. For the last time they went there, they lost 7-0. Not to mention, they're without Bruno, who got his fifth yellow card, and Garnacho, who got his fifth yellow card. Is it looking like another 7-0 thumping? It's looking closer to that than them getting a result out of this match. For sure. I just I I don't see any way that this United squad, the way they're playing, the way Ten Hag is putting them out there and coaching them, that they even come close, even remotely close to winning this match. Sorry to all my friends that are United fans out there, but I'm really not. And you probably agree with me. So that's when you know it's bad, when you agree with me when I say things like that. Well, let's get to a manager who's doing fantastic things in the Premier League. That is Unai Emery. We watched Villa host Arsenal, and Villa Man continue their hot streak at home, beating Arsenal 1-0. Yeah, beat Man City, beat Arsenal 1-0, both at home. 15 games, 15 winning games at home for the first time ever at Villa Park. It's a big deal. Villa fans, you guys should be ecstatic, jumping up and down, supremely confident, because I'll be honest with you, I don't think they're going anywhere. What's crazy is the different ways they're winning games. So if you watch the Man City game versus this Arsenal game, they played completely different. Oh, 100%. It might have to do with when the goal was scored. In the City game, the goal came late, whereas in this game, Villa came out hot and scored early in the seventh minute through John McGeehan. Then after that, it wasn't like City where they were pressing them in their own half. This, this yeah. game kind of switched where Arsenal then dominated possession, probably had the better chances. And honestly, for me, this game comes down to Arsenal not being able to finish their chances. Odegaard had a couple. Emmy Martinez had, had to come up with some saves. Wide open net a couple of times and missed both the whole goal both times. Yeah. And then Villa, you know, credit to them, they looked threatening on their counter. Yeah, sit in, look to counter. I mean, how impressed were you with John McGinn in this match? Holy cow. Dude, I, so I've been impressed with John McGinn. I've been watching him all season. I have too, I, but it's it's just the different ways that he plays. You want him to play defensive midfielder as a number six. He's on it. If you want him to play as more of a box-to-box, as the eight, he'll do it. You want him to play as a winger. He's got it. You want him to play as a 10. 
He'll be the best 10 in the world for you. I like, I cannot run out of superlatives for this guy. As a guy who is not rated super highly by most people, he is amazing. And his work ethic is second to none. Oh, yeah. No one will beat his work ethic. That's for sure. Honestly, the one who impressed me in this one was Pau Torres. He's looking a fantastic defender. I don't know if Ty- Tyrone Mings is even going to get into this squad. We'll see when he gets healthy. Yeah, I mean, with the amount of yellow cards, uh, what is it? Is it Diogo? I want to say Carlos. Carlos, that's it. I want to say Douglas Costa. It's not the right person. It's not. Douglas uh, Yeah, he he's picking up a lot of cards. So I think Tyrone Mings will probably come back in instead of him instead of Pat Torres. But I agree with you. He's been a fantastic signing all season. Well, let's get to the controversial moments. There is a couple. So which one do you want to talk about first? The goal? You go ahead, because I I mean... Well, let's talk about the goal. The one that wasn't? The one that wasn't for <laughs> Arsenal. So Kai Havertz ends up putting in the goal. The ref calls for a handball, which it does hit Kai Havertz's hand like three times. Maybe Matty Cash is two in there a couple of times. But the call on the field was handball, so the goal did not count. VR took a look at it. Quite a while, it, too. Oh, for forever, yeah. yeah. This one was a weird one, because the ball definitely comes, and it hit, looks like it hits Matty Cash on the shoulder, bounces into Havertz. They're both fumbling the ball up in their chest, touching it with their hand. I mean, it's it's one of those that's harsh to give a PK for that, Matty Cash is so close to Havertz. Yeah. The ball bounces off of him. I'm not going to ever say that that should be a penalty. But I also, I'll be completely honest with you, I don't know why, because it hits both of them in the hand. Just let it go. Like, just call it a goal. But I understand why they let it be the call on the field, right? No conclusive evidence. Both players hit with their hand. I can't still tell which player was it. Eddie Nketiah or I Kai can't Havertz. tell either, man. I watched that he thing like 50 it. times. If I it cannot was, tell. If, if Eddie Nketiah ran off and celebrated and Kai Havertz didn't, I bet that gets called a goal. Potentially, yeah. But Kai Havertz runs off and acts like he scored it, and that, they don't call it a goal. But I know what you mean. Like All the replays are just, you can't tell. Mm-hmm. It looks like both their foots just meet the ball. And... Yeah, but the way Nketiah celebrated, it looked like he scored. But Kai Havertz also did the same thing. It looked like Kai Havertz was the one that really celebrated. And so, yeah, yeah I, that's the thing is, I agree with the call on the field. If that's what it is, there's no conclusive evidence that it should be overturned. Can't overturn. Yep. If you were to see that Eddie Nketiah was the one that put it in the net, it's a goal. But you can't. But you can't. So, I got no problem with it. Well, let's get to the one I think you do have a little bit of a problem with. This was for a potential foul on Gabriel Jesus. We saw one similar in the Crystal Palace game where they were awarded that penalty. A good old minute 44 later. Kind of the same kick on the bottom of Jesus's leg. And you thought this I, one was a foul. Yeah, so this is more of a foul than the one in the Palace match. I will say that. Palace match was given a penalty. This one, they didn't even, like... The ref said, Gabriel Jesus, get up. VR looked at it. It was done. Snap your fingers. Took a look at it. It's like, it's not a penalty. I don't understand. Either it is or it isn't. 
it shouldn't be a penalty in the Crystal Palace and Liverpool game if it's not in this match, or vice versa, right? Like, so to kind of go back to what out. you said, what you said previous, as you said, you've seen him given, you've seen him not, and it does depend on the referee. Some, you know, for example, I don't think this is a foul on Gabriel Jesus, whereas the Crystal Palace one I think is more of a foul than this one. Yeah, and so you, I, you will you will get that refereeing disparity between what's a foul and what's not. And that's that's kind of up to the referee. It's not necessarily in the rules. It's not something that every referee can follow. It's it's up to interpretation. And I, I think it's the correct call. I don't think it was a foul on Jesus. So for me, right, like do I think it's a foul? I think it's more of a foul than the Crystal Palace one, but at the end of the day, no, I don't think it's a foul. But the sheer fact that VAR told the ref in the Palace game to go look at the monitor that it's a penalty kick, and in this one, nothing. That okay, want, you do have a point I want there. You do have a point there from VAR. That is what you I have want a point consistency there, yeah. from. Like, I mean, it starts all the way back last week. Arteta getting a yellow card for celebrating for scoring a winner in the 97th minute. Any coach would do that. The only coach that gets a yellow card from that is Mikel Arteta. It's the only one because he has a he has a reputation for excessively celebrating. It's the only reason he gets the yellow card. Let's the be honest. Arsenal vendetta, huh? <laughs> I'm not saying there's a vendetta, but it's awfully fishy. It's awfully fishy. I mean, you can look at all the instances. I would say there's probably one against Manchester United just as much as Arsenal. If you look at all the different calls that have been called back or missed against United. And I'm not going to say that there is a vendetta. It's the reason why Arsenal will not win the title because, well, you still got to pick up points and score goals. So Liverpool is in first, Arsenal is not. And Liverpool essentially got robbed of a game. They got robbed of three points against Tottenham. Like, okay, now we'll, where's your excuse? Liverpool said, fuck you, we're going to be in first place. Arsenal, what are they doing? Arteta's complaining about missing the chances. <laughs> missing chances. Missing chances in this game. Capitalizing. That Arteta's complaining in press conferences. You know what? I love Mikel Arteta. I love Arsenal. Just shut the fuck up. Just stop complaining. It's not going to do you anything. It's making it worse at this point. Just shut up and say, I'm not going to comment. How hard is it to say that? Well, that is what he said. <laughs> he said it was clear and obvious. And then he said no comment. But he didn't say what was clear and obvious, so I don't. But yeah, as you said, yeah, Arsenal dropped down to second. But look at Villa, man. They are now up to third. Two points off Liverpool, who are in first. And two points ahead of City, who are in fourth. Look at them go. I'm rooting for them, man. I picked them in my top four. I'm rooting for them. Are they title contenders at this point? I mean, how could they not be right now? Until they show me otherwise. Will they be title contenders come March, April? The if they end stay of the completely healthy, yes. If they get one or two, like if Douglas Louise gets hurt, they're fucked. John McGinn gets hurt. I think they hurt, have. I think they fucked. have good depth there. At uh, Yuri Tillemans can come but, in, but you also forget they're still in Europe as well. The amount of games they're going to have to play without one of their best midfielders, I don't think that they can keep up. You might be looking at more of a Newcastle situation where they're starting to get tired, heavy legs. They start to lose matches that they should be winning. They Those sort play, of things could happen. So they play similar 
to Newcastle, but mm-hmm. they can play different. I feel like Newcastle only has one way to play, and that's to get at you, and and that's how they win. Whereas I, Villa don't necessarily have to play that play that way. Yeah, and I I will give I will give Newcastle a little bit more credit. I think they have a couple of different ways. And but you, I feel you said like Douglas Luiz get hurt. They got Jacob Ramsey that could come in, who's a fantastic he's not the midfielder. Same player though. Like Douglas Luiz is the engine room. Him and John McGinn. Like and Donker you, could come in. Not I mean, they still had Nicky Lozaniolo who didn't play in this yeah, game. Who's probably going to be suspended for three years after he gets found guilty of illegal betting. In I don't think he will. I think we'll so. see. Anyways, I just think this Villa team is like a Swiss army knife. Like they have so many different ways they can try to beat you. Unai Emery, like this is the manager I wish that Arsenal had. They did have him, but they didn't give him enough time to come become acclimated to the Premier League. And I think he's learned a lot from that, and that's why he's doing so well at Aston Villa. And I, you know what? I'm not even upset that Arsenal lost. I was at the weekend because, well, I'm an Arsenal fan, but you know what? The way Arsenal played versus the way Villa played, Villa deserved win. All right, well, let's move on then to a team that I honestly thought was going to be win. They were winning at halftime, 1-0, but they ended up losing to Manchester City, Luton. Lost to Man City 2-1 at Kenilworth Road. I feel Man, like when I saw that halftime score, I was I know. rubbing my hands together, I jumping feel, up and down. I feel like I am a terrible like bad luck charm for Luton. Because I was watching the Arsenal match when Arsenal went up. I wasn't watching it, and they scored two goals and took the lead. I started watching again. Arsenal wins the match. This one, I didn't watch the first half. I start watching at halftime, they lose. I'll just stop, Luton fans. I'm going to stop. I'll just not watch any of your games. I'll watch the game after it's done for the rest of the season. Because you guys are playing fantastic, and I turn on the TV, and I jinx you. I don't know what it is. You did, man. I had a Viola score a fantastic header in the first half to take Luton up. And then, honestly, City, they turned the game around in a span of three minutes. Yeah. Goal from Bernardo Silva and Jack Grealish in the 62nd, 65th. I think what... I think what set it off was when Ruben Diaz hit the crossbar. He did hit the crossbar right before that, yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, let's talk about that Bernardo Silva goal. How brilliant was that finish? Curler, man. Because that was, one, a first-time finish. Two, he wasn't looking at the goal. And three, I don't even know if he could see the goal from where he was standing because the ball took, like, two deflections off two different shots, and he just comes around first time, bottom corner. I did not see that coming. That came out of nowhere. And then, boom, City are back in it. Beautiful goal, yeah. yeah. I think Jack Grealish would get the winner. Getting his, being at the far post, puts it between the goalkeeper's legs. But what was the defender doing on that back post? It falls on his ass trying to get to the ball, but why weren't you marking Jack Grealish in the first place? But man, yeah. Luton proving to be trouble for another one of the big boys at Kenilworth Road. Yeah, man, it's gonna, you know, if they keep playing like they have been, it's gonna become a bit of a fortress for them, and that could be the reason why they stay up. They the definitely way, need it to be. And the way Forrest is playing, I, I'm not gonna put it out of the question that Forrest and Palace, if Luton are playing like this, could be in some serious trouble, because we all know Everton is gonna find themselves well clear because without 10 point deduction they would be above i mean they'd essentially be in 10th place 
And you're not wrong. Everton do look okay. Palace, Forest are in a slide. Bournemouth are hot right now. Wolves are playing Bournemouth good. Are... Chelsea might even be in trouble because they can't win matches. You're not wrong. Bournemouth are level on points with Chelsea and Wolves, just FYI. Which is wild. And Brentford. Yeah. But Luton, yeah, they need some points, man. They're sitting in ninth place. They are four points behind Everton, who are in 17th. So they, those th- three newly promoted teams are holding up the bottom of the table. Or at least they're picking up points where we said they might not get to 11. I think at this point they probably will. So I'll give them. Yeah, that. I think they will too. Well, a team that looks like they were newly promoted was West Ham as they lost 5 0 to Fulham <laughs> at Craven Cottage. And remember, Fulham were promoted last season. They were. You're not yeah. wrong. This is the scoring five goals for the second game in a row. They were up 3 0 at halftime, scored another two goals in the second half. It was a golazo from Harry Wilson, man. Beautiful curler Ooh. from 20 yards out. Ooh. Yeah, Jimenez getting on the score sheet too. Jimenez, William, yeah. Tosin, Venusius, yeah. Thrashing of Ful- or West Ham yeah. from Fulham. Mm-hmm. Don't know what else to say. West Ham looked terrible. God awful. Yep. Fulham tore them apart. I mean, they keep playing like this. I mean, it's going to be pretty much every team below them is not going to stand a chance of catching them. And maybe even West Ham. So, yep. So West Ham, they're ninth. Fulham, they're tenth. Fulham are three points behind West Ham. Speaking of falling behind, we had Everton oh, taking on Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> Everton would score two second half goals in this one to win at Goodison, Goodison Park. Dropping Chelsea down to 12th and bringing themselves four points clear of the relegation zone. Decore would score the first goal in the 54th minute with a defense-splitting pass from Dwight McNeil to Dominic Calvert-Lewin, which his shot is saved by Davidson San- or by Robert Sanchez. And then the ball bounces out to Decore, who makes no mistake and hits it in the far corner. But I just want to say, Sanchez's dive for Decore's shot was absolutely comical. I don't know if you saw that like multiple times. I don't times. think I, I remember the lovely through ball from Dwight McNeil. Yeah. That's Calvert-Lewin. But what, what, what was the dive? Describe it. He essentially, right, because, I mean, he had dove and saved Calvert-Lewin's shot on the other they side. They kind of crashed into each other, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So he does wonderfully to get back up, but he essentially, like, thinks that Decore is going to try to put it near post, or far post, near post, near post, because he puts it far post. But he jumps up, and essentially he's got his arms and legs like this, and then just falls. Watching the <laughs> ball. He just falls. Leg up in the air. It's absolutely... It like In slow motion, it looks like something out of a cartoon. It's hilarious. That is funny. But man, we gotta talk about Everton. So they have won their last four games. They beat Palace, Manchester United, Forest, Newcastle, and Chelsea. That's impressive. Yeah. Sean Dyche has this team humming. They are holding a vendetta against those 10 points that were deducted. They are playing with a chip on their shoulder. I love it. And they're looking good, man. They Sean Dyche, he made a couple of good signings in the summer. Jack Harrison, Gardner. 
I mean, I got to give a shout out to uh, to Gardner, man. He Gardner, he has been playing fantastic. Same with Dwight McNeil. I was just going to say, Dwight McNeil for me is my pick, man. He's been on fire. Seems unstoppable. And then Dominic Calvert-Lewin's healthy. He's playing fantastic. I mean, what what can you say? This this team and it's the, looks... the style of football. Yeah, it's fun this to watch. This isn't the Dice doll we were... Yeah. Used to watching it, Burnley. Like he's got a decent squad. He's playing some decent football. Yeah, it's... And they're having fun over at Goodison Park. But Lewis Dobbin would seal the win for Everton with the second goal in the 92nd minute, his first goal for the club. And this was moments after Chelsea replaced Robert Sanchez for Petrovic. I'm guessing some kind of injury is what happened there for Sanchez. No, he was just terrible. I'm pretty sure it was an injury, man. I mean, I don't know. Could have been an injury, but I mean, I would have subbed him out too because he's just terrible. You know who else had an injury in this game? Who? Reese James. Hey, surprise. (laughs) And uh, guess what? It was his hamstring. Again. Surprise. (laughs) Surprise. At this point, like, he's, he hasn't made it three games straight with Chelsea. And At he this won't point, ever. If he could play 90 minutes, that'd be great. So I got I to gotta talk about Reese James for a second and just English right backs. Because I was high on him last season saying, you know, he's one of the best right backs in the league. His, I changed his, my mind. His situation reminds me a lot of Jack Wilshire. Like one of the most promising English players. Obviously, he's not as good as Jack Wilshire. Let's let's get be honest with that. Jack Wilshire was oh, okay. phenomenal <laughs> when he was healthy. But his injury problems remind me of Jack Wilshire, right? So promising coming up in his career. Finally makes his first team debut, has a lot of success, but starts getting injured. First it's little ones, and then season ending ones, and then full season ones, and now it's he comes off hurt every like 25 minutes it seems like and so if i'm gareth southgate though i don't think i would take him to the euros i'm looking at trent no. and Trippier. yeah 100 and even if you want to take trent as a midfielder i mean kyle walker i mean there's kyle three walker. right backs right yeah. there ahead of him exactly who but don't we've get seen, injured we've seen how good trent is as a midfielder for england there you go and if he if he does take reese james but they're going to be in a world of hurt because he's going to be hurt. And they're going to be down to one right back. Anyways. Yeah, Everton have put some some space between them and the bottom three. And like I said, if they hadn't had a 10-point deduction, they would be above Chelsea all the way in 10th place, above Fulham even. Like you said, fantastic football. Everton on fire. And I'll be honest with you, I did pick this one as well. You did. That was a good yep. pick. That was a good pick. Speaking of games that I picked, next up we had Tottenham against Newcastle. As Spurs would dominate Newcastle getting revenge for their 6-1 thumping earlier in the season, winning 4-1 to themselves. Yeah, and I remember what, that last season. What a game Son Heung-min would have in this one. With two assists and a goal. He made... Kieran Trippier look like a second-class defender in this match. Yeah, he was taking him inside, outside. 
having his way with him, crossing the ball in. He, I mean, he tore him up for that first goal to cross it into Destiny Udogi. Yeah, sat him down. It was fantastic. And then my favorite player in the whole wide world would even come up with two goals <laughs> in this match. Richarlison, the pigeon got chicken, whatever he does, that celebration. His nose is long enough, you call it either one. I don't care. But he finally showed up for Tottenham and finally put the ball in the back of the net. Good with for his him. Foot. Good for him. Destiny Adogi, though, how good is he? Does he oh, get dude, called I'll... up for Italy for the Euros? I would. I mean, if I'm being completely honest, he's probably in my team of the season at left back so far in the Premier League. I can't think of anyone better right now. Luca Dina, maybe. Maybe. That's about <laughs> it. Yeah. I mean, you think of Zenchenko, Gavardio, Samikas. No, definitely not Samikas or Zenchenko or Gavardio because they've all, the amount of mistakes all three of them have made this season. No, they Shaw. I mean, definitely not. He's been playing more at center back. Romento, maybe, maybe. There's but a, there's he, a little he hasn't played enough. as much. Yeah. yeah. So, I would say Livermento is probably third on that list, above the other three. But yeah, he gets the first goal in the 26th minute. Jolington scores in the 91st minute for a consolation goal for Newcastle. And then I don't know if you saw Romero's tackle on Callum Wilson. In the second half. Studs on the ankle. He was like he was, down on the ground already, Callum yeah. Wilson. And he yeah. just goes and tries to hammer him, him in, man. Right? Like that was above the ankle too. I don't know how he didn't get sent off again. It was that. nasty. It was for nasty. Sure. It was completely unnecessary as well. Like you said, completely, on I mean, the Kevin Wilson's on the ground. Yeah. Why? He's getting up, and then he hits it. He literally studs him on the ankle. Why? Why? I told you, man. Romero's one of those aggressive defenders. It, it makes no sense. Many, when, when are you going to start listening to me when I say that? He's an I aggressive defender that just likes to get in there. Been. I don't like havoc. him. I don't like him. But still, that's like that's a beyond aggressive challenge that's a, I like, like having him on my team that's, 100%. Yeah. i don't like but i also wouldn't like him on my team because of how much he's suspended for terrible tackles. Yeah, yeah you're not wrong <laughs> yeah but this game was all spurs newcastle maybe had 15 minutes beginning second in the second half, half. Yeah. but man how tired did newcastle look you know ahead of their pivotal match against milan in the champions league midweek that literally could they could either be out of the champions league or they could still be in Europe. I think there's gonna, it's going to take a lot for them to still be in Europe because PSG would have to lose against Dortmund. But they do look tired, man. And then again, I don't know why... At, at what point you're 4-0 down, why, just make some subs. Get your starters off. Give them a rest. You're not going to win, yeah. Just you, You've been playing them like crazy all season. Let them, let them have a rest. The same lineup with hardly any substitutions. <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. 100 plus minutes every match because of extra time. Yeah. Anyhow, I mean, I understand. I won't be surprised when they buy three or four players in January. Won't be surprised at all. But they need to keep her first. So I would say, what do you think about them potentially going after David De Gea? Or I think Hugo Lloris was the other one. I saw he was rumored. Hugo Lloris. I thought that was an interesting one. Very, very. That's like you're very desperate at that point. 
he's third choice at Tottenham now behind Vicario and Forster. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, David De Gea would be great, but his wage demands are going to be astronomical. So, which I assume is why. Good thing they got all that oil money. Yeah, strange. Anyways, what do you guys think of all the action? How good is Aston Villa right now? Are they title contenders? Let us know. Check out our Facebook, our Facebook group. Make sure to let us know on there. Our Instagram, our YouTube channel. As you probably can just comment, like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell since you are watching this video right now on YouTube. Or on all, hey, their, you all of your pot, favorite podcast sites. Make sure you give us five stars. Speaking of five stars, Targo, let's get into ranking the five best and the five worst hundred over 100 million euro signings of all time. I know Declan Rice lately has been on fire. Harry Kane's been tearing up the Bundesliga. Jude Bellingham. Yeah, Jude Bellingham. And then you have some that haven't been so good. I mean, you got Anthony. Enzo. Enzo. Caicedo. Where do they all fall on the spectrum? So, do you want to start with the worst or the best first? Let's start with the worst. Okay. You go ahead and hit me with your number five through one, and then I will go. That way I can process what you're about to say. <laughs> okay. So my number five worst signing over $100 million is Usman Dembele from Borussia Dortmund to Barcelona in 2017. He went for $105 million plus $40 million in add-ons. Six seasons, 185 appearances, 40 goals. No double-digit goals in a La Liga season. And only once did he go with more than 10 assists in a season. I was going to say, did he also not have double-digit appearances in any of those seasons? (laughs) He did have double-digit appearances. (laughs) But they sold him this last summer to PSG for $50 A loss of $95 on Usman Dembele. My number four is João Félix from Benfica to Atletico Madrid in 2019 for 126 million. Four seasons, 131 appearances, 34 goals. The most goals he scored in a La Liga season for Atleti? Eight. (laughs) Eight goals. I think Atletico definitely overpaid for him. They were kind of paying for the the prospect of a young what was he nineteen when he signed for them, yeah. And he's still there on he's out on loan at Barca. I was gonna say I think he scored more goals out on loan than he has for Atletico in the last couple of years. And he scored the winning goal against Atletico in the most recent game for Barca. So there you go, coming back to bite them in the ass there too. <laughs> yeah, uh, unfortunately for him, I think it's just he doesn't fit Diego Simeone's style of play. Not at all. Not yeah. at all. That's just unfortunate for him. My number three is Eden Hazard from Chelsea to Real Madrid to 2019 for 100 million plus 46 million in add-ons. Four seasons he was there. Mm-hmm. Only 76 appearances, seven goals, and seven assists in La Liga. That's all he has. Yeah, 14 he'll... gold contributions and 76 
appearances over four only, seasons. Only two of those seasons did he have over 20 appearances. He ate more cheeseburgers than appearances there. <laughs> Stealing my line, man. Let, Sorry, at least I, I, let I, me get to him on my <laughs> list before you can start throwing out the cheeseburger line. Okay, okay. <laughs> my number two worth signing over $100 million is Philip Coutinho, man. From Liverpool to Barcelona in 2018. This was a lot of money. $120 million plus $40 million in add-ons. In 2018, it was a massive amount of money. That's the most out of any of these players on my worst. Coutinho, man. I'm not sure what he did. He didn't do anything for uh, for Barca. He helped knock them out of the Champions, of the Champions League? League, playing for, for Bayern, Bayern Munich on loan. And he had he better was... stats for Bayern that season, too, than I think any season he had for Barcelona. Like, I, I don't. What did he do? Uh, it's the <laughs> biggest dip in a career I've seen in a long time. So he had four seasons in La Liga. He had 106 appearances, 26 goals. He went out on loan a bunch. He scored twice against Barca. I mean, <laughs> out of those four seasons, only nine assists in La Liga, which that's what he was known for, man, was assisting goals. And then occasionally showing up and hitting a banger. Right, that's and occasionally showing up and hitting a banger. They sold him for 17 million pounds to Aston Villa. I don't even want to know. what the, That's 147 million loss just about yep Villa sold him to Qatar I think for 20 so at least they gained (laughs) the amount they spent and then some there you go but yeah he he was just terrible I I I think he's number two for one how expensive he was and then again helping knock Bayern out helping Bayern knock Barca out in the Champions League my number one is Romelu Lukaku from Inter to Chelsea for 2021 for 115 million. Speaking of cheeseburgers. <laughs> <laughs> he only had 44 appearances, scored 15 goals, so it's not terrible. Yeah. He's still currently a Chelsea player just out on loan. Yeah. And honestly, the, the biggest thing was that interview he did, man, where he stated how unhappy he was and how he'll go back to Inter and Tuchel pretty much just dropped him after that. I would have too. I mean, I, he wasn't playing very well at the time either. He was overweight, out of shape. Goes to Inter, goes back to Inter, plays fantastic, gets him to a Champions League final. I would say then, he played fantastic that season. He had a good second half of the season, I would say. Okay, fantastic second half of the season. But then he has another saga. As Inter tried to sign him, and then he starts talking to Juventus, and then eventually goes to Roma. <laughs> I think the real kicker, though, is he was already once a Chelsea player mm-hmm. that they sold. Yeah, and he went to Ever- Everton, and then United, and then Inter, and then back to Chelsea. He he's officially the most expensive player of all time because his overall transfer overall transfers, fees, yeah, is barely over Neymar's. But only because Neymar's was two hundred twenty-two million for his first ones, so our second one. But yeah, crazy. So those are my top five worst signings over hundred mil. Give me your top five worst signings over. All right. So for number five, I couldn't choose. Man, there's a lot of really bad ones. The ones that weren't quite as bad as the four above them was Lukaku, because he, you know. Yeah, he's been terrible, been on loan, 
Paul Pogba from Juventus to Man United in 2016 for 105 million plus 5 million in add-ons was terrible. The guy was hurt half the time. It was injuries, time. yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't at least his performances really. It was it was it was injuries. Injuries, yeah. He did win three trophies with Man United. He did. But yeah, I'll give him that. Jao Felix from Benfica to Atleti was a bad one. I will agree with you on that. And then Antoine Griezmann from Atleti to Barcelona for 120 mil, only for him to get loaned back to Atleti and then them to buy him essentially for free. I will say, so Griezmann's I don't think is the worst. It's not terrible. 102 That's appearances. It's the bottom of my, my number five. So 35 goals, 17 assists. So not terrible numbers but yeah i think Cap. he just couldn't gel in the same team with Messi, kind of playing that same position yeah and it's tough for a player when you have two players that play exact same but you can never take Messi's place like that was never gonna happen so those are a couple are those all your number five so which one's yeah. your number five <sighs> i you know because you gotta pick one you didn't pick it i'll do pogba Why okay I couldn't decide between any of those because my number four, I'd already, or my four through one, I'd already decided and I couldn't pick another. So number four, and this might shock you a little bit, is Neymar from Barcelona to PSG in 2017 for 222 million. You know why it's number four on my list? It's not because of the what, well, I guess it's a little bit because of the way he played and his injuries, sorry, injuries, but it's how much it inflated the market for all of these other transfers. So that's what you're pissed off about. I'm not, not necessarily the signing, but the I could literally give two shits about how much PSG pays for players. It's the sheer fact that he literally ruined it for everybody else. Well, that's what caused Coutinho's transfer and Dembele's transfer to be mm-hmm. so extravagant. Yeah, and a lot of these other transfers. I mean, even Mbappe to PSG for 180 mil, like that. It's it's a lot, and it's crazy money. And Neymar regretted it ever since. Regretted it? Regretted it. Regretted it. <laughs> no regrets. You know, any of those. But, yeah. Still didn't win a Champions League with PSG, even though that's why he went there. It reminded me a lot of Rubinho when he signed for Man City and then thought that he was signing for Manchester United, but didn't. So I think I got to disagree with you, man. On Neymar. 173 appearances, 118 goals, 77 assists, 10 trophies in six seasons. How many of those were League on titles or League on cups? All of them. Well, I mean, a majority, all of them are going to be League yeah. on titles. And yeah, exactly. Whoop de doo. Show me. But, a I mean, player the goals and assists. Challenge still. Okay. He's head and shoulders above everybody else in that league until Mbappe came to play with PSG. It was just easy money for him. Big I wouldn't say he was the, one of the biggest flops. I, I, I guess worst signing. Worst signing. I'm not saying he's a flop at all. I'm saying for the money spent and what they got in return, I don't agree with it. And what everybody else got in return. I disagree with you. the market. Anyways, number three, Usman Dembele. Yeah, awful. Bruce Dortmund of Barcelona, 2017. I mean, you look at, I mean, this also, Neymar being my number four, kind of sets up Barcelona's terrible spending. With that Neymar time. money. <laughs> With that Neymar money. Because two of the worst signings of all time came from that money. And Usman Dembele, and my number two, 
Felipe Coutinho. <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing because of how bad his <laughs> signing was. And the fact that literally he beat his own parent club. Don't you like as a club that's a parent club, why don't you like put something in his contract where he can't play so, against the parent club? They don't do that in La Liga. It's, it's only a Premier League thing. It's dumb. At least do one where like you can't it. play against him in the Champions League, but I like it. Bit him in the it's, ass. It tells me, oh, he's not good enough for our club. We'll send him over here and then he comes and scores on you. Good. Yeah. Well, we all know what my number one is. Mr. Cheeseburger himself. Ed Hazard. <laughs> Chelsea, Real Madrid. Ronald McDonald. <laughs> Ronald McDonald. The guy comes in as one of the best Premier League players of all time. Gets fat. Enjoys his cushy new life in Madrid. Literally. The most appearances he had in a season for Real Madrid was 22. 22. The most goals he scored in a season was four. You know what's funny is when he sold for big money. I know he was a fantastic winger in the Premier League, but if you remember, he had a couple off-seasons for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. And so he that was always there. And as he got older, that pure talent just didn't show quite as much. and. With the weight gain came injuries, came, well, I really enjoy making millions upon millions of euros just sitting here on the beach eating greasy cheeseburgers with extra bacon and paella every day. Like, what I, I don't like is it really hurt Belgium's chances it did. at it did. tournaments. Because mm-hmm. Belgium had a good, I mean, with De Bruyne and well, I mean, if you look at it, had, right? What Madrid fans categorize as a bad signing, right? They categorize Gareth Bale as a bad signing. They booed him everywhere. Yes, he got hurt occasionally, but he won so many trophies with them and so many clutch goals. As in, Eden Hazard didn't do shit. Literally didn't do shit for four seasons. (laughs) Except for take a shit in the Real Madrid training facility. That was it. Many times. End of rant. He's he was easily the worst signing for me. Like the moment we said worst signings, he was number one on that list. The moment we said it, he was on my list, but not number one. All right, well, let's go through our five best signings over a hundred million. My number five, Harry Kane from Tottenham Ooh. to Bayern Munich. This last season, hundred mil, sixty million add-ons. In 19 appearances for the Bavarian club, he's got 22 goals and 7 assists. Only number 5 because, well, he's we'll still see. You know, the season's still ongoing. And it's like that for a couple of players on my list. Or they, they could drop down, you know, by the end of the season, depending on how they play. My number 4 is Gareth Bale. Yeah. From Tottenham to Real Madrid in 2013 for 100 mil, seven seasons, 250 appearance, 258 appearances, 106 goals, 19 trophies. Yeah. Which is 19 more than he won at Tottenham. Actually, it's 18, but still. And who can forget that bicycle kick in a Champions oh. League final against Liverpool? I'll be honest with you, the most memorable one, I forget who they were playing against, but it's the one where he kicks the ball downfield and runs outside of the sideline. against Barcelona. That one. That is the best run I have ever seen. 
He just looks just like a racehorse of a man, dude. Just I think who would he be? Sergio Roberto, maybe on the well, right. Because he's got extra flaps, man. <laughs> it's like F one. He <laughs> opens and closes them for speed. <laughs> All right, my number three is Cristiano Ronaldo from Real Madrid to Juventus in 2018 for 100 mil. Are you done over there? You're looking a little red, redder than usual. <laughs> That was hilarious. I'm like crying my, right now. You didn't know good. I did Formula One, huh? Thank you. Thank you. I needed that. That was great. Oh, all right, keep going. Sorry. My number three is Ronaldo. Three, basically, just about three seasons. His third season is when he had a couple appearances and then left. But he had 134 appearances, 101 goals, and 20 assists. And what do you expect from five trophies? Greatest- Probably the greatest pure goal scorer of all time. So he's my number three. Again, if that Man United's Real Madrid had been over 100 million, he'd definitely be my number one. But he's not. My number two is Jude Bellingham from Dortmund's Real Madrid. For 100 mil, 46 mil in add-ons. He's got 18 appearances and 16 goals. So I do feel like this one could change over time. But the start he has had to Real Madrid, I don't think anyone saw coming. The way he is just banging in goals. Scored again this last weekend, so I might have to update that number. (laughs) As it goes with Jude Bellingham just scoring goals for fun. My number one, though, probably one of the best players in the world right now, Kylian Mbappe from Monaco to PSG in 2017. He went for a boatload, 145 mil plus 35 mil in add-ons. It's his seventh season at PSG. He's got 227 goals and 275 games, eight trophies. And he is the star of the French national team. He is pretty much the face of French football. Will be for years to come as well. And we'll probably get another 100 mil transfer. We'll see. That'll be for free when his contract's up in the summer. Watch him sign just a short one-year contract so they get something for him, though. (sighs) I don't think so. But, but he's PSG's all-time top goal scorer. And he's just, yeah, incredible player. Yeah, I will agree with that. My number five is your number four, Gareth Bale. Tottenham Real Madrid. 2013, 100.8 million. You know, I'll be honest with you, when he played for Tottenham, I didn't rate him super highly. I knew he was a game changer. I didn't think he was one of the best players in the world. When he got that transfer to Real Madrid, he showed it. That's where I, right. I disagree with you, man. At Tottenham, he was wrong. fantastic. I was, I was telling a story, Tyler, to prove that I was wrong. You don't have to rub it in my face. <laughs> I was wrong. wrong, okay? I was wrong. He's my number five. Number four, you're going to disagree with me again because it's Kylian Mbappe. Oh, four? Four. Why four? Really, for me, it's the sour taste of the last two years with him. His whole transfer saga is in the summer, crying like a little baby, doesn't get his way. He's probably not going to get the transfer he wants because Real Madrid probably doesn't want him anymore for being burned so many times, and his wages are going to be so astronomically high, no one wants to pay them. What he's done for PSG is undeniable. What he's done for France is undeniable. He's one of the best players in the world. 
It's just his attitude absolutely kills me. And the personal fact reasons, then that, the that's all you that have to say. Personal reasons, <laughs> other than with France, he doesn't show up in big games for PSG. It's a World Cup final, whatever. I said, other than France, he doesn't show up for PSG. Shows up when one of the game. biggest games of his career. Oh no, for France. So not for PSG, who cares? Who cares? Who you're playing for. Well, we're talking about transfers, not I guess players that's true, for the damn. national okay, team. Okay, I'm I'm wrong then on that one. You're all right. <laughs> My next three are all based on the potential of how good they could be, as you did for your number two and your number five. My, your number five is my number three, and Harry Kane. The potential he has to be such a game changer for a completely class Bayern Munich. He fits right in. He's scoring goals like crazy. If only they could shore up their defense, because on paper, th- defensively, they look fantastic on the field, the field, it's completely opposite. Especially after getting beat 5-1 on the weekend. Frankfurt. Didn't see, that, didn't see that coming. But he's fantastic. He's lighting it up. I feel like he can be their difference if they can get back to the form they had at the beginning of the season in the Champions League. Don't want to spoil anything for those of you for the Champions League games coming up midweek. Number two. You took him off your list. Declan Rice. He would be my number six. Declan Rice, man, he has completely fit into this Arsenal team. Act like He plays like he's played there for his entire career. It's absolutely amazing. And the performances he's put in, I, I feel bad for West Ham fans because they paid 117 mil plus six in add-ons in Euros. And I feel like West Ham got ripped off. Like, can Arsenal just send them 20 mil? <laughs> like, they got ripped off, man. Same with Tottenham. He- he has the potential to definitely be a top five. I, I want to see what he does at the end of the season. If Arsenal, like if Arsenal don't win anything and they finish third or second, it, it doesn't make that, you know, the same could be said about Bayern Munich, Harry Kane and or Real Madrid, Real Madrid with Trevelyan. But I just think they look guaranteed to win something where I don't know if Arsenal does. Well, I know it's Bayern Munich, right? They're guaranteed to win exactly, something, yeah. unless it's the Harry Kane curse, and that's why that's how Tottenham didn't win anything all along. <laughs> but I, I just feel like this Arsenal team feels different. They're more defensively sound. They win the ball back a lot better. If their attack could be in the same form as it was last season, this would be a completely different story. But it's not. I mean, Probably, players, yeah, yeah. Players have dips in form. Arsenal's entire front line, I guess Gabriel Martinelli started to pick it up, but their whole front line is having a dip in form and defensively. Between Rice and Saliba and Gabrielle, that I don't think I've seen an Arsenal defense look this good until the last couple of games. But ignore that. Number one, you're number two, Jude Bellingham. This kid, you realize he's still like early twenties, right? He's twenty. Yeah, he's, he's 20, twenty. Not <laughs> he's twenty. This guy, like I feel like I said that about. Declan Rice to Arsenal. I feel bad for Borussia Dortmund. 100 mil plus 46 mil in add-ons is a rip-off. Absolute rip-off for how good this player is. Like, England has, in my mind, the best midfield in the world for the national teams. Go yeah, find your you're number one and two in better, it. Go find me a better three than Trent Alexander-Arnold, Declan Rice, and Jude Bellingham right now. 
they're phenomenal. And Jude Bellingham is leading the line. He's a star for England at 20 years old. He's a star for Real Madrid at 20. Like This guy is going to win lots of trophies with Real Madrid, and I feel like he's going to kickstart their new Galacticos era and absolutely destroy teams. He might as well just, like I said before, he might as well just play him as striker because he'll score more goals than whatever striker they have. Cholesu? Yeah. Josalu? Josalu, Dolesu, whatever you want to call it. Well, that's an interesting list. You guys have to let us know who are your five best and worst signings over 100 million. Make sure to let us know on our Facebook group, Instagram. Make sure to check out our Red Bubble. Get the Bruise and Banter merch. Help us keep doing this because we love it. Don't forget to like, subscribe on the YouTube as well. Give us five stars and all your favorite podcast platforms. And on that note, I'm out of beer, man. So we got to end this episode. Me too, man. Look at that. Must have been a good one. <laughs> it was a good one. So <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. As always, we love you. Cheers. <laughs>